As you remain standing for the reading of the text this morning, I'm turning in the Word to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to consider a passage there in Ephesians 4, spilling over into chapter 5. I'm thankful to be here that I did get sick this past week, and I'm on the tail end of that, and I'm practicing my Russian octavist voice today in this deep, grovelly voice, so hoping that won't be a distraction as we now hear the word of the Lord, let's turn our attention to Ephesians 4, verses 29. I'm going to be reading through verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 4, uh, and now hear the word of the Lord. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also loved us, and has given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma, and fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you, as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Our gracious Father in heaven, We come this day to your Holy Scripture, your word that you have given to us, so that we might know the truth, and the truth may set us free. It is not by power nor by might, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And so we ask that your Spirit would be poured out now upon this your word, and that you would pour your Spirit out upon the hearers, that we would all receive it with thanksgiving and be changed from glory to glory into the likeness of our dear Lord, who loved us and gave himself as a sacrifice and an offering to God for our sin. And how thankful we are for the great love of our God. We pray now you would bring forth the fruitfulness of the word preached in our own lives, that with greater capacity we might give you thanks and praise all the days of our life, and into all of eternity. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You may be seated. This week, we in America take a special day to give thanks to God for what great things He's done. The Bible says a lot about thanks. In fact, over 650 times the word thanks is given in our English Bible. And there were special offerings given in the ceremonial law to, in order to worship God in a thanksgiving way. David appointed some Levites officially to represent God's people in giving of the thanks in that First Chronicles 16 passage that we looked at when he was bringing the ark to its place. Again, we see the official giving of thanks as 
The dedication of the building of the wall of Jerusalem was given in Nehemiah's day where he appointed Levitical choirs who then led with great pomp and circumstance the giving of thanks upon the walls. The Psalms give us numerous examples of how to sing and how to praise and how to give thanks to God in every kind of situation in life. Paul exhorts us the same kind of thing later in this chapter where he says in Ephesians 5.19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And here's the phrase, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Almost every occasion in the giving of thanks in the Bible is directed toward God. It is our part, part of our prayer life, giving thanks to God, and it is also a major aspect of our relationship with God. And I hope we can unpack a little bit of that this morning. The natural man, the unbeliever, the one who is not truly regenerate by the Spirit of God, is not a thankful person. That is true by definition. He has an ingratitude toward God at the very root of his unbelief. And yet, too many Christians have too little gratitude toward God. I'm, I'm afraid that that is one of the things that we should often repent of, is not being more grateful to God. This morning, I want us to consider this relationship of our salvation and our spirit of gratitude toward God with the hope that God will sanctify us more so to be a more grateful person and a more grateful church in all of life, and to practice this more consistently, the very presence of God in our life in all times. I'd like for us to first of all address this matter that we looked at in Ephesians 5.20 of giving thanks to God for all things and all ways. The ultimate test of our gratitude comes in those difficult circumstances of life where we feel compelled to more complaining about our lot than we do of giving thanks. Or we may feel compelled to blame others or to belittle another person or to find fault or to accuse another. That actually is a great test of our spirit of gratitude. To be able to give God, genuine thanks from the heart in everything demonstrates a level of trust and a resignation to His goodness and wisdom, even when we don't understand the reasons of things that are going on around us. Giving thanks always for all things, Paul says here. We tend to give thanks to God with respect to the things that we deem worthy of thanksgiving in a time that we see as beneficial. But that places God's worthiness for thanksgiving solely on favorable experience. 
But the Bible would have us to give thanks to God in all times and for all things. The hard part of that command is to be able to give genuine thanks in the hard times of life or in the, the deep ports of a, of a trial or down in the, the slow of despondency or in the, the valley of the shadow of death. But yet the very first occasion that we have recorded in the New Testament of Jesus giving thanks to God is when he went through the cities of his home country of Galilee, proclaiming the good news that the kingdom is at hand and he is now healing people by the droves and miracles are being performed in every one of his cities of which he was known. And yet they rejected him. And he says in Matthew 11, he says, but I say to you that it will be more tolerable in the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. And at that time, Jesus answered him and he said, and here's his thanksgiving prayer. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. These are people that Jesus wept over. These were not only his people, the Jews, but some of them were the ones with whom he grew up. And they hardened themselves against the good things of God. They were hardening themselves against what he was doing in their very midst. And he prays a prayer of thanksgiving to God for actually closing the heart of their eyes. Not because he was pleased with their sinful responses, but because he, it seemed good to the Father to do so, and so he gave thanks to God for his will. In spite of our way of thinking, in spite of the way that we wished it would have been differently, and perhaps even Jesus in the moment, he gave thanks to God, which was an act of submission to the Father's will, knowing that the Father's will was good and right. And he came to live according to the Father's will, to accomplish his Father's will, not his own. And so he adjusted his entirety to the Father's will and could give him thanks, knowing that the Father is good, knowing he's righteous, knowing he does all things well, and he's all wise, and therefore, he gave thanks. Probably one of the most difficult things that the likes of you and I would have never been able to give thanks for, but our Lord did, was on the eve of his crucifixion. And he genuinely gave thanks to God for the bread which represented his own broken body and for the cup which represented all the sufferings he was about to endure. And Luke chapter 22 verse 19 records this when he says, and he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Matthew 26 records this same incident regarding the cup. And then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to them. And he says, drink from it, all of you. 
For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. As he finished that upper room discourse with his disciples, and they broke the bread, and they drank the wine in this meal that we now will partake of shortly, he led them in a psalm, and he sang praise to God as he went out to pour out his heart to God in the Garden of Gethsemane to such intensity that he sweated drops of blood. Jesus thanked God for everything that even the bread and the wine represented in his own sufferings. See, there is always something profoundly good about God's activity behind everything that happens to us in life. Even in the bad things and the trials that happen, there is something profoundly good that God is doing behind the scenes that we are not often privy to at the moment. When Joseph being sold to slavery in Egypt... Years later, and it would be years later that he can tell his brothers, oh, but you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. But when we resign ourselves to this truth, we can be grateful in all circumstances for all things to God always. Paul would command us this again in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In fact, if you were to ask Paul, the Apostle Paul, he says, what is the will of God for my life? He would tell you this, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In everything give thanks. Well, let's look at the nature of thanksgiving as we think about this season that's upon us. As I pondered, what is the nature of this that we do in giving thanks so that we're doing it from a genuine heart and not just something that we're doing out of rote or mindlessly or gathering up very quickly. This actually has a deep and profound aspect in our relationship with God. Because giving thanks is an acknowledgement to someone else for their act of kindness or helpfulness. One who is thankful is self-aware that something has been done by another on his behalf. I think that's half of the battle right there, is just becoming self-aware of how much God has done for us. And then we res response of thanksgiving is, in a sense, a humble submission and an admission of receiving another's help. It's an admission and a humble submission to receiving another's help. And so we respond, thank you, in gratitude. And this is why unbelievers are unthankful to God at their very core. They do not admit that God has been kind to them. They do not humble themselves as recipients of His help, of His favor. And that is described for us in the first chapter of Romans when he says, For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen by those things which are made. They are being understood by the things which are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And then it says, because although they knew God, they knew of God's existence, they, they know this in their heart, 
but they did not glorify God, nor were thankful. They did not glorify God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. There are two things that unbelievers do not do. Number one, they do not genuinely glorify God. They do not praise God. They do not acknowledge that God is worthy to be praised. They do not acknowledge God for who God is. The second thing that unbelievers do not do is they do not give Him thanks, genuinely so. They do not recognize that He is ultimately behind everything. They do not submit themselves to be recipients of His help or of His grace or of His love. As I thought about this Thanksgiving, I thought about how praise and thanksgiving are often couplets that go together. They are in the Psalms. They were here. C.S. Lewis said that our praise of God completes our enjoyment of Him. We've rehearsed that a number of times in the past where we praise those things that we genuinely are joyful in and love. And so when we praise God, it actually brings that enjoyment of God into its consummation, into its fulfillment. It brings the object of our praise into its final enjoyment. Well, if our praise is that of God, then what is true about our thanksgiving? Now, I didn't find any C.S. Lewis quotes on that. I don't know how he would think about it. I'm sure he's probably got something out there. But I am convinced that our gratitude to God in all things completes a part of our relationship with Him that remains incomplete without it. So I gave a little attention to his thinking and borrowing from his idea of praise and thought about what is it then when we give thanks to God that is inseparable to our relationship with Him. And when we can give God genuine praise with the mouth, but from the heart, in all things, it's a trust issue. A trust issue is that a matter of our heart of faith in Him. Do we trust God, even when the circumstances around us seem contrary to what we would be thankful for? It's a matter of faith. But it is also an encounter with the presence of God. When we can give thanks to God for all things, at all times, in every situation, this is an encounter with the presence of God. If praise is expressing truths about who God is, His essence, thanksgiving can be seen as expressing truths about God's activity, or what He does, His works. It is a bit of an oversimplification, but it's generally true. We praise God for who He is. We thank God for what He does. While we praise God for His character, this is the idea of kind of His essence, His ontology, His eternality. We praise God for His immort immortality. We praise God for His changelessness. We praise God for His sovereignty. We praise Him for His invisibility. 
We praise Him for His omniscience and His wisdom. We praise Him for His omnipotence and His omnipresence. We praise Him for His sacred holiness. We praise Him for His goodness and His love and His mercy and His grace. We praise Him for His great care over all of His creation. We praise Him for His righteousness and His faithfulness. We praise Him for His tenderness and His kindness and His gentleness. We praise Him for all of these attributes because this is who God is. But we thank Him for His works, for what He has done, what He is doing. We praise Him for His creation. We praise Him for His covenant. We praise Him for His providence. We praise Him for sustaining His creation and for governing His creation. We praise Him for His electing grace. We praise Him, or we give Him thanks for His continual working in our lives. We, we give Him thanks for His provision and for His protection. And we give Him thanks for constantly sustaining us as a people. We give Him thanks for His persevering grace that works in us and through us. We give Him thanks for His merciful love, for this new creation that He is establishing in Christ Jesus. We give Him thanks for the work of the cross and for raising up Christ from the dead. We give Him thanks for the pouring out of the Spirit of God and empowering the church. We give Him thanks for all of His works. And yet we notice that some of the things that we give Him thanks for, we praise Him for. Some of those descriptions that I mentioned in the first list of his, of his very character, his love and grace and his mercy and his kindness are also things that he demonstrates to me actively for which I give him thanks. And that's why his attributes and his works coalesce and we praise and we thank him. And these praises and thanksgiving run together as couplets that often are inseparable. C.S. Lewis is correct in that praise brings an enjoyment of what is praise to its consummate joy, then perhaps by parallel we can think that thanksgiving brings the circle of love back to its fulfillment. As we acknowledge that God is a God of love and this love is a, a love of action, where He demonstrated His love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And that everything that we have and all that we are comes from His express acts of love. Thanksgiving then brings that back around in the circle of love so that we enjoy love of God and we express our love for Him as we give Him thanks. He does what He does for His glory, but He also does what He does for His glory and for our good. And He does it out of love. Because He deeply loves you and He deeply loves His people. And yet our 
Love for God is a return thanks to Him for all of His divine activity in our lives. And that's why His love reciprocates itself in us. We did not first love God, but He first loved us. And it's because He first loved us that we then can love Him. And so the giving of thanks is part of this circle that brings love back around to its fulfillment. And that can happen in every circumstance. It can happen at all times. And it can happen in every detail of everything that happens. In all trials of life and yet also on the the hills of victory. Giving God thanks always for all things can cause us to reach, and it will cause us to reach very deeply into our souls and wrestle with the very nature of God and His activity in our life beyond just a mere surface treatment. It also will help us to grapple with our relationship with Him. Especially when life is difficult. You've been in a very deep trial. And everything kind of turns inward. God wants you to turn upward. When you can genuinely thank God in the midst of a trial, you encounter the presence of God in a deep and profound way. You demonstrate the genuineness of your love for God, believing that He has your best interest in mind, believing that He does everything that He does for your good, even though you may not see it in the moment and cannot understand what is going on around you. You have resigned yourself into the good nature of God and to His wisdom, knowing that He is able and He will bring all things to pass. And in an act of faith, you can genuinely thank God for His deep and profound love for you, for His deep acts of kindness, for His helpfulness to you, and for His sustaining graces in the very moment that He is carrying you through this trial. In everything and at all times, give thanks. Giving thanks to God in difficult times is on the one hand a humble admission that you are not entitled to better. And number two, recognition that God loves you even though you don't understand why these things are happening. There's a humility. There's a resignation. There is an acknowledgement. There is a love that is being expressed deeply pleases the heart of God a believer's praise and thanksgiving are not limited to the positive circumstances of life but it is a characteristic of truth and the inner bent that we have now toward God in all things and in all life and lastly I want us to consider from this text how this verbally expressed thanksgiving to God mortifies the old man and sanctifies us in love. 
And when I'm talking about thanksgiving, I'm talking about using this vocal instrument that God has given to each one of us to express it vocally. Out of our mouths must pour forth thanksgiving where others can hear. Looking at our text this morning, we find that it begins with some kind of speech that we should not express. Verse 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good for the necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. That's how it begins. And it ends with another kind of speech that we are to express. Chapter 5, verse 4. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. In the text before us, we see a contrast of two verbal forms of expression. First of all, it says, let no corrupt communication or word proceed out of your mouth, but rather the giving of thanks. And this is in the context of putting off the old man, and the putting off the old man is mortifying the old man. It is killing the old man in us. The old man before our conversion, the old man in which we were born in Adam, the old man which is of this fleshy, carnal, anti-God sentiment. And we are to put off that old man and replace and put him to death by, by then putting on the new man. And the way that that old man brings all of this speech to bear upon these corrupt words, that gets put off by the giving of thanks to God. And right in the middle of these two bookends of that which we are not to express with our mouth, but that which we are to express with our mouth, and the way in which we are to die to the old man is by putting on the new man, is to give thanks to God that then displaces all of that corrupt communication that comes out of our mouth. Right between those two bookends and right at the very heart of the matter, we find in chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. Walk in love. Well, how do you do that? Oh, as Christ also loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Like Christ. At the heart of going from the old man's corrupt language to a new man's heart of gratitude, we find walking in love is the key. Our love is a heart of gratitude for God. It's an acknowledgement of what great things that God has done and is doing in our life. Our thanksgiving to God brings love to its fulfilling expression where we feel loved and He senses our love back. As God loves us and has given us Christ to be a propitiatory offering, a a sacrifice for our sins. 
And we, in turn, respond by loving Him back, by giving Him our thanks for that. Genuinely, deeply, freshly. That's the heart of everything else. That is at the crux of our relationship to God. In fact, that is in the heart of all of our relationships. Christ died for us. We have received that with thanksgiving. This passage is a passage that is primarily addressing our words, what we say out of our mouth. Words are symbols. They represent what is truly going on down in the narrative of the heart. What is real about you will be revealed by the words that you use, by the things you say. If your words are characteristically complaining words, that's an evidence of a pride in your life, a pride that prevents you from being a more loving person. People that are always complaining, characteristically so, or people that often feel like perhaps they deserve better in life. They, they deserve better than the lot that has fallen to them. Their language, they're often phrases that begin with things like, if only, if only, or if I could only have. These people are not deeply grateful to God in their spirit for what they do have. If your words are characteristically critical words that seem to regularly find fault in other people, that's also an evidence of a pride and an ungrateful spirit and ingratitude to God because of a self-righteous lens through which these kinds of people view life. These kind of people oftentimes have more confidence in themselves than they ought to. As, as Romans would say in verse 3, chapter 12, For I say, though this grace is given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt with each one the measure of faith. People that are overly confident in themselves give themselves too much credit and not enough credit to God. The inevitable result will be ingratitude and a critical spirit. Paul warned the Corinthians of this when he says, don't think that you have anything that you did not receive from the Lord himself. If you're going to boast in anything, boast in the Lord who gave the gift. If your words are characteristically showing other people your discontent or your unkindness, it may be displaying in your heart some kind of anger or bitterness. See, your words are going to express what's going on in your heart. They're symbols that have actually reveal characteristically who you are. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, he's speaking to the Pharisees. How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. 
But I say to you that every idle word that men speak, they will give an account of in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Your, your, your mouth expresses what your heart truly is. The issues of the heart and its verbal expressions and words are so closely connected that one is indicative of the other as is the kind of fruit that comes from the tree is indicative of the tree itself. And so Paul tells Christians to put off the corrupt words and so minister grace with what we say. Let no corrupt words come out of your mouth. The word corrupt is a word that means diseased, it's rotten, it's decaying. It's the same word that is used in Matthew of this bad tree, this bad fruit. It's corrupt, it's diseased. But rather the opposite, you need to put on words that out of love will build up the hearer with grace which ultimately finds its expression in thanksgiving to God itself. And that's where that pulls its gravity toward in chapter 5, verse 4. Verse 30 of chapter 4 says, which is an extension of the thought, he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Now how can you grieve the Holy Spirit? By unholy words. Words that are indicative of your heart. Bitter words, angry words, corrupt words. It grieves the Holy Spirit. Don't do that. Verse 31 and 32, we see another contrast. Notice again the connection with what's in the heart and what's verbalized with the words. In contrast, rather than being bitter and angry with people, we are to be loving and forgiving other people of their sins and faults against us. We're to be tender-hearted for them. You do this not because they deserve it, but you do this for the same reason that God did it with you. For Christ's sake, you do this. And you can do this if you're a Christian because you have a storehouse of grace and thanksgiving to God out of a heart of gratitude in your fellowship and love with Him. See, putting on the new man is characterized by giving thanks. It is this fellowship of love that we have with God that we then mutually express with one another. He expresses His works to us. And we give Him thanks for the great work He's done. So we give more and more attention to giving thanks to God Always and in all times, the old man will be mortified. If you just concentrate more on that which is good, the giving of thanks to God, the old man begins to take care of himself and begins to fade into oblivion. If you're having a problem with your, with your speech, you need to get a heart of love for God that then expresses itself in every circumstance of thanks to Him and get in the habitual practice of giving God thanks 
As our psalm says, every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. And as we get into the habitual daily practice of giving thanks to God, we won't have as much time to be worrying about what other people are doing. And we won't really care. We'll have a tender heart of love. We will give thanks for the good things he's done for us this day. When I was at Elder Summit in Presbytery several weeks back, I remember one of the elders mentioned a little sheepishly, sheepless, sheepishly, <laughs> okay, I finally got it right, um, um, a, a book that had an effect upon him. And of course, I'm always interested in that. I wrote it down and I, I went and bought a copy of this. And it's a book called uh, The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. Anybody familiar with this book? And so um, I began reading it, and the Lord used it in a, in a tremendous way in my life. That very day that something happened, and the book came back to mind in terms of some of how he responds to things. He he began to practice the presence of God that everything he did, he would do in love for God. Every experience he experienced, he would go through in love for God. And the unpleasant things in life that he was called on to do, he, he would do so in love for God. He would suffer for love for God. He would uh, even be uh, reminded of what's going to happen as he gets older and he begins to deteriorate. He, he would go through that because he knows that God loves him and and, and so it really began to control his entire demeanor, his attitude, and his spirit. Practicing today, right now, the presence of God. I'm going to just read a few quotes from you, to you. Uh, in the very beginning, he has some, a conversation with someone who penned some of the words of the conversation. And so he's quoting from Brother Lawrence. He says, Lawrence says that he had always been governed by love without the thought of self he resolved to make the love of God the goal of all of his actions. He had become satisfied that this method was the best path. He was pleased when he could pick up a straw from the ground for the love of God, seeking only him and nothing else, not even his gifts. Let's see if I can go through a couple more here. Lawrence told me that the foundation of his spiritual life was a high concept in reverence of God and faith. Once he had become established in this lofty con concept of God, he had no other plan except to faithfully reject every other thought in order that he might do all things for the love of God. Sometimes when he realized that he had not thought of God for a while, he did not worry himself with it about it after acknowledging his wretchedness to God, he returned to him with even greater trust in him, prompted by the fact that he had felt so wretched to have forgotten him. Part of his communion, this communion with God, is praising, adoring, and loving him incessantly for his infinite goodness and perfection. The goal of the spiritual life is to become the most perfect worshipers of God that we can possibly be in this life and throughout all of eternity. Read a portion, just one little paragraph of one of his letters that he wrote to someone who was going through a difficult time. And I'll read 
um, just the very first portion of the paragraph. We have a God who is infinitely gracious and knows all of our wants. I always thought that He would bring you to the edge. He will come in His own time, and when you least expect it, hope in Him now more than ever. Thank Him with me for the blessings He gives to you, particularly for the fortitude and the patience which He gives you in your afflictions. This is a plain mark of the care that He takes care of you. Comfort yourself in Him and give thanks for everything. That's what the message is about. As we then have a focus of a week of thanksgiving, no matter what you're going through now or sometime later, let this be a time of developing the presence of God by acknowledging His activity in your life in every circumstance and every detail and find something in every part of that to give God thanks for. Because you can. Rather than turning to yourself and the inward problems that you visually see on the outside, take some time and come away from those things and get on your knees in prayer and ask the Spirit of God to show you for what things you are to thank Him for this day. And then start expressing it verbally from your mouth, from a genuine heart that believes it. So let us love God with a larger heart this year. Let, let us have that love be expressed in our gratitude for the things that God is working in our lives today. And practice the presence of God habitually in your life. And in everything, give Him thanks. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, as we contemplate the things of life so much of which we do not see nor understand what you're doing in your works. For your works are high and lofty and your ways are not our ways, nor your thoughts our thoughts. So in this time, in this moment, in the place of life in which we can see, we pray that our trust would be completely resigned upon the things that we know to be true of you. And that we would trust you with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And in every circumstance, give you praise for who you are. And thanks for what you're doing. We pray that you would make us mindful and ever self-aware of your work all around us. For we know that there are so many things that you do that we do not see or are not aware. But make us more aware. Have our eyes to see greater beauty and give you thanks. Have our attention and our hearts be open to what you're doing behind the scenes. But may we focus upon who you are, knowing that you do all things well, and you do all things even together for good to those who love you and to those that are called by your name. We thank you, Father, for... Uh, the work of grace that you have given to us in Christ Jesus and through the Spirit applying that to us freshly each day. For the new mercies which opened up this day and continue to exist with us this hour. We thank you for being our God and calling us to be your people. We thank you for the church. We thank you for the church historic and for the church triumphant. 
We thank You for the kingdom of God that has been growing upon this earth. We thank You for the redemption that we have in Christ. We thank You for the forgiveness of sins. We thank You for the active work in sustaining this world and all of its governments. They are but a drop in a bucket to You. We thank You for showing us Your hand in our lives and for growing this church We thank You for growing our sanctification. We thank You for uniting us together closer in love. We thank You for being our great King and Lord of life. We thank You for the kingdom that You have established us firmly in that has no end and will show no defeat. We thank You that greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world. We thank You for the great love that You pour out upon us every day Make us more mindful of the things for which we ought to be grateful. And put away from us all of the complaints, all of the murmurings, all of the disputings, all of the fightings and infightings. We pray that you would put to death the old man and replace it with a new gratitude in the great things for which our God is doing this hour, this moment, this day in our lives. Lord, we give you thanks. Because you are worthy of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.